Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Where's the love, fam? The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 201, Soul Brother number one, is brought to you by the Harlem's Hero app. Black man motivates the other man imitates here we are pete back talking luke cage certainly a welcome return you know i love me some defenders but these individual series are where it's at and here we have this episode and 12 after it to talk luke cage absolutely this the 100th episode of marvel tv on netflix matt cannot go without mentioning uh, so the, what started as the grand experiment, hey, let's do Daredevil, let's do four Defenders, hey, let's throw Defenders in there, let's throw Punisher, has has grown now to 100 episodes, so congratulations to Marvel TV and Netflix on that. A brief note, since you have listened to uh, Luke Cage with us, if you are returning. Uh, if not, this is your first time. Slight format change here. Rather than uh, both of us go through the episode, Matt right now is going to read us a recap. Music starts to play, a hood goes up, and Luke Cage crosses the street, back and ready to take names. Literally, he's got a wax fold with his name on it. Turns out there's a heroin operation that's using his name for their smack. The goons fire at him, and it doesn't go well for them. The teaser act ends as it began. Luke, hood up, music blaring, and back for season two. The title sequence, with its electric music, shows the episode is written by Chio Hidari Coker and directed by Lucy Liu. We get a voiceover from Reg E. Caffey talking about how Luke Cage is everything Harlem needs. A fantasy for women, a terror for bad guys, a golden calf, a hero, soul brother number one. But Reverend Reg is rambling to himself in the mirror. He notes, though, that we shouldn't worship a man because of our own frailties. Cut to Pop's Barbershop, a world-famous barbershop now. Bobby Fish is talking to D.W. about the failings of youth these days with the tweety tweet tweet and food selfies. Their conversation is interrupted by, speaking as a white man, the whitest white man ever, live streaming his visit. He's quickly shown the door. Luke arrives ready to relax, ready to hear that the barbershop and him are out of money. Cut to Misty, minus one arm, and expositional flashback Claire, working physical therapy, and a reminder that the Defenders, the miniseries, cost Misty her arm. Meanwhile, Shades is back too, and handing the keys over to a sweet ride. The recipient is Sugar. Back at Pops, Luke underlines to Misty that the junk on the streets is killing people, and her NYPD isn't moving fast enough. Later, Misty is home, alone, reflecting on her purple heart, over whiskey. At Ginny's Supper Club, Mariah is with Shades, hearing a pitch on plastics, Mrs. Robinson. Her money friend has already set up a semi-legit or business-legit business to get into the legit world and stop all the money laundering. Oh, and the waiter thinks Shades is Mariah's nephew. Hot. 
Later at Harlem's Paradise, Mariah is monologuing to the new hostess, Billy, or Stephanie, letting her in on the secret of playing sides against each other while being provocative yet friendly. At the Red Rooster, Luke and Claire having dinner, talking his need to organize his enterprises under a brand, but his mind seems to be on after-dinner coffee. And they do. My TV melted. Later, he's on the street coming across Sugar, who says he's out of the bad guy game and swears Mariah is too. Sugar's a driver and a bodyguard now. Totally legit. Luke meets up with the Reverend, talking a shared past. Reg E. Kathy, the late, great Reg E. Kathy, without hyperbole, is perfect on screen, showing a righteous anger, an eloquence, and a beauty to every word he speaks. The conversation reveals he's Luke's father, and they part. Later, he's at Pops, hearing again about the heroin epidemic taking lives. D.W. shows some leads about Arturo Ray having reinvented himself as Merlin. Is that a lead? Speaking of Arturo Ray, he's at Harlem's Paradise that night, along with a rogues gallery of drug runners, gun runners, illegal casino runners. They make a pitch to Mariah in her office. Ray has legit money and can bring peace. Nigel pitches gun running to also keep the peace. Cockroach takes his turn. He doesn't want everything, just a controlling interest to keep Harlem black. On the club floor, a svelte Luke Cage parts the crowd and makes his way up easily. Mariah doesn't show any fear, wondering if he's there to arrest her or slap her around. But she also name checks Claire, who no one wants to see hurt, right? On the way back, Claire says she snuck into Harlem's paradise to snap pics of Mariah's crew, and she reminds Luke that she's part of the team, not Luke's arm candy. He loves her and can't lose her, which makes this viewer nervous. The next morning, Sugar calls with a lead about business going on at the river. Luke grabs his hoodie, and Sugar calls someone else. Luke took the bait. Elsewhere, Misty runs into Cockroach, an old arrestee who's been let out because of Scarf's false evidence in season one. At Mariah's townhouse, Shade suggests Cockroach is a better investment, though Mariah is still favoring Arturo, who will protect Harlem. Shades is confident that Arturo will settle after he's received some presents. Cut to the implied present, Luke following up on that tip to a Merlin's Furniture 18-wheeler. Arturo blows it to smithereens, and Luke walks away. Down a hoodie, but otherwise fine. Arturo shoots him, and Luke is felled. But seemingly fine after the bullet explodes in him. Later, it's claimed it bounced off him, but that's not really how it looked on camera. Anyhow, DW has been recording it all, and Luke reminds the viewers he is Harlem, and Harlem is him. He drives Arturo to the precinct. Misty is there, ready to get back to work turning down a purple heart and three-quarter pension for life tax-free, and she's glad to see Luke. Not glad to see Luke is Captain Ridenour, with Luke, you know, being an unlicensed weapon and needs to, is implied, get in line with these Sokovia Accords. But Luke reminds the captain that he's not really doing anything, allegedly. Elsewhere, introduced new is the white suit man, unnamed in the first scene, looking to Harlem, but ready to take Brooklyn first. As time goes by, he introduces himself to Nigel as Bushmaster. Bushmaster also has one of the best lines in an episode of Great Lines. I speak at you, not to you. His plans to take out Mariah Dillard, Mariah Stokes, and the Bulletproof Man. But Bushmaster has a few secrets too. He takes out Nigel, slicing out his eyes, 
and taking six bullets to the chest, barely bloodied. At Harlem's Paradise, Luke returns the broken Judas bullet to Mariah and says nothing will stop him from getting her. Luke Cage leaves, walking down Malcolm X Boulevard, slow motion, and back. Pete, now we're going to talk some bad... Shut your mouth! We're just talking about bad guys. Pete, let's start with Shades. Yeah, Shades here. Hernan, as uh, Mariah, you know, goes back to the name here. Really kind of a a crisis of identity. Does he stay with the the rival's street gang ID, or does he go legit? So great to see Theo Rossi back. I mean, we knew it was going to happen because he was not off uh, at the end of season one, which made us very happy. Theo Rossi, formerly of Sons of Anarchy, Theo Rossi, who we podcasted all the way back uh, when he was in season one of Alcatraz, which feels like forever and a day ago. Uh, but here, as you mentioned, Pete, he, he seems a little off balance. You know, is he is he a kept man? Is he the number two? Is he the number two trying to be the number one? Is he um, a nephew? Is he a nephew? Oh, my. Well, I don't know about that, Pete. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting to see him at this point of, you know, at this, at this point of transition, he not quite sure which direction he's going in. And I think it's true as well for everybody in this series, which is why this season two debut episode works so well. It's a crossroads. Luke is at a crossroads. Where do I go? Uh, You know, this constant reminder of getting paid, but at the same time, he's trying to do the right thing and not making it a mercenary situation. Then you have the transfer of power and everybody looking, um, uh, particularly amongst our bad dudes here, how are they going to be able to operate in a world in which a Luke Cage exists, which is what makes the zinger at the end of the episode such a game changer. But as Luke mentions, it's like punching water. And we really see that with all of these bad guys that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Next up, the bad gal, Mariah. But you really just get this sense that, you know, Luke Cage can be putting X's on the map all he wants. But but he can't he can't take out these heads of these different families. And he certainly can't, at least thus far, take out Mariah. Alfre Woodard is just such an enormous presence you can't understate what she does for this show and and this a show that has a simone missick oh yeah and we'll throw you guest starring rosario dawson yet again we talk about 100 episodes of marvel netflix with this episode i'd love to uh, go back and look at the numbers how many of those 100 has rosario dawson appeared in she's got to be the leader yeah, my guess would be 20, 25, something like that, uh, which is quite a percentage indeed. Uh, I, I like that we see Mariah also at something of a transition here. You know, she wants to take things legit or legit-ish, but she also wants to do right by her community. And, you know, and there's these offers from savory and less savory and less, less savory people. Pete, she should just invest in plastics. They're right. 
the graduate was right. Just invest in plastics. Especially, we got we got some wrap up OLED TV you can carry under your arm like a poster. Come on. I mean, while it seems like a good idea, uh, I think Shades is the one to give her that good advice. This is insider information. It's inherently illegal. Uh, which is an interesting point that he brings up, you know, nephew that he is not. But, um, you know, the intrigue created by uh, if it's not the the plastics guy, these number of uh, criminal suitors all out for uh, gain, out to consolidate power through Harlem's paradise as a front just ups the ante and again the the word i keep coming back to with this show is cool it's done in a smooth almost effortless way that just makes it quality tv pete next up let's talk sugar pete he's looking a little slimmer he's got himself a legit job right what kind of uh, I love that there is this informant-esque nature at the same time there's the antagonism that exists between he and Luke, you know, scratching the, the automobile there uh, after a compliment that he's lost some weight. Yeah, I think uh, – thank goodness we know that sugar is uh, is still trouble. Although, Pete, I want to I wanna consider – you know, I want to consider an alt timeline here. If Luke Cage doesn't scratch the hood of Sugar's new car, does Sugar do the favor for uh, for Arturo and and set him up? You know, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to go good, and you know what, Luke Cage pulled him back in. It's entirely possible, but I think the uh, you know, pardon the pun, the the shades of our bad dudes here allows for really a a different degree a different flavor amongst them next on the list is cockroach or as shades calls him in one scene cockroach i had to wonder <laughs> if that was maybe a call out to uh to al pacino and whatnot but um i mean there's a there's a uh i don't know there's an upward mobility that you get from cockroach at least a sense of it you know he's he he wants to make money. He's willing to laugh at Nigel, who we'll talk about in a bit. He's willing to laugh in the face of uh, Arturo. And I don't know. There's just something about Cockroach's swagger that I really like. Aptly named, I think, looking to come up from the bottom here, having done that stint. And now he's out for his, man. Let's not forget, to Pete, the cockroach is the one who's uh, harassing Misty there. It starts out with, you know, uh, some disrespectful, but I would say uh, within within the okay bounds, some nanny nanny poo poo, I got out because your partner in season one was bad news. Then Pete, it turns into making light of her injury. Hey, let's go to Foxwoods Casino. You can play the one-armed bandit. Awful. Yeah, not, uh, just in case you weren't clear on cockroach's charisma, uh, still not a good guy. A bad dude, indeed. Next up is Nigel, who, uh, Pete, I don't think we're going to be seeing him after this episode. I would almost bet on it. (laughs) That was, we've seen some brutal things in Marvel Netflix. That was the most over-the-top brutal uh, act of violence we've seen yet, okay? Uh, Knife 
CG knife to the uh, to the eyes there to turn him into the Marvel Netflix universe equivalent of Cyclops. Yeah, it was. I was surprised by how long the shot went on. You know, not offended or whatever, but um, I, there certainly was a tenacity to it. And um, I don't know, could he come back as blind Nigel? Maybe, but it seems like that knife was pretty deep. So I, uh, I think he doesn't have much of a future. Speaking of not much of a future, although uh, one certainly still in the MCU, Arturo Ray the Third, aka. El Tercero. Pete, what do you want to say about uh, King Arthur? Yeah, more like broke-ass Bob's furniture, Matt. Uh, blowing up Luke's spot, literally, figuratively. Hits him with a Judas bullet, which Luke now has the ability to fend off. What? Um, I love, again, the nuance amongst these bad dudes. Here's a a captain of industry, Matt, you know, but smuggling coke inside his couches. You're going to love his white devil couch, Matt, guaranteed <laughs> to let you watch all of Luke Cage, 13 episodes in a row and then some more. Well, we certainly will talk about that Judas Bullet in our uh, theories segment. But Pete, let's wrap stuff up here with Johnny, a.k.a. It's Bushmaster now. Somebody whose presence we kind of, you know, it was foretold by the season two preview. But, oh my goodness, what a great bad guy. I know, and, and lots to talk about in our theory segment here when we look at the big picture. But uh, brutal, uh, best used in this first episode in very small doses, that menace that he brings there. Really, really interested to see the conflict with Luke Cage play out. The big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead. Pete, I was a little unclear. It looked like the Judas bullet exploded inside Luke. And then later he says, no, it doesn't work. So A, I don't know if that's a theory clue for the future. And B, why don't the Judas bullets work anymore? It kind of like bounced off him. And there was a little bit of a reverberation from, you know, the lower part of his abdomen. I, I think it's unclear as it's presented. Plus you've got a, a, a night shoot. It's uh, low lit. I think there's meant to be some kind of confusion on our behalf. I would certainly agree with that. There's no way in this first episode that things are going to be narratively muddy by accident you know you want to make the claim all right episode 10 or 11 they're doing a night shoot and it's month five of a whole bunch of night shoots and everybody's tired and you know what they didn't get the shot and the editor did the best job to kind of massage it in there but not in this episode pete not in an episode directed by tv and movie star lucy Liu. uh you know in in, in just a fantastic directorial effort on her part so i think it's just one of those things as always time will tell how about her angles, too, particularly when we had Bushmaster, you know, slightly tilted over there to the side. It was that great shot looking out over the river, uh, you know, certainly adds a, a level of directorial panache that uh, we've not seen in this series to date. 
Let's talk, though, Matt, and and with a little bit of sadness, the idea of Luke's dad showing up here, played by the great and unfortunately no longer with us, Reg E. Kathy. I mean, as I said in the recap, it is not hyperbole to say that 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 scene where he confronts Luke, the performance that Reg E. Kathy gives is perfect. There's no better way to channel all that anger to channel the eloquence to channel all of it it's just i mean i mean i i worry for the other actors in scenes with him because he's so good they're going to be to be lesser by comparison um he is such a presence on screen it is a gift that we are seeing him i mean any of his performances are wonderful but it's such a gift to see him in this episode and future episodes particularly since we know he passed away uh, this past February, and and uh, I believe I'm correct in saying that this is his last, uh, you know, his last uh, role that he played, and just so so good on screen. Yeah, the minute I saw him delivering, you know, the the sermon, and not quite clear immediately who he was playing, um, you know, your your heart just goes out here you know we we have his last performance or one of his last performances on the screen and then in two scenes what he brings and and that second scene and you can tell again the night shoot nobody around and and here's just two outstanding actors throwing down on my screen Pete, I believe we've spoken about a, this particular Reggie Kathy quote that I want to mostly share in a moment, but I think it captures the man, captures the actor, captures the performance that we saw. Uh, this is a quote from a 2016 interview with The Guardian where he said uh, that after Obama's inauguration, uh, quote, I started working like a fiend, hired by the same people who would previously ask, have you always spoken like that? It's like, you know what? I'll substitute a word here. Mamma Yes, I have. And yes, he he's just so well-spoken. He's so elegant on screen. And, you know, I look forward to whatever future episodes uh, we have of him for Luke Cage because the guy was a treasure. Those words are particularly powerful given his loss now, you know, that he went through this uh, period towards the end of his life of – you know, a lot of activity, uh, really hoping somehow, even with the drama on the uh, last season of House of Cards, that he somehow uh, might show up in some way, shape or form. But, yeah, he, he gives you every single bit of charisma when he's on screen here. And that scene with Luke just sizzles. Well, one more bit of theory discussion here. Where... You know, where should we suppose Bushmaster has gotten these similar uh, these similar abilities? I'll I'll mention too, Pete. You know, bullets did not bounce off him. It's just the bullets did not yeah. penetrate. There was a little blood there. So a small detail, but I think an important one to say. He's got some powers, but it's not a Luke Cage copy. It, yeah, the assumption immediately for the viewer might be, oh, he's he's got the abalone skin, too. And, and we do not know that from uh, information on screen just yet. Like you said, there there was some blood uh, that we've got another guy who can uh, prevent himself from being hurt by bullets uh, certainly brings that level of menace 
to him in a way that nobody else in this episode, not Shades, not Mariah, these are villains of a different sort. And this is a physical threat for Luke, as we've obviously seen with the trailers, the conflict that's going to wind up uh, taking place with the with the punch. I want to throw two more aspects out there. We we talking about Reggie Kathy and his uh, performance here as uh, Luke's estranged father. Uh, Luke asked him if he was dying and given again the the actor's uh, unfortunate uh, passing in February. You have to wonder based on when they filmed, how much he filmed and is the character's mortality part of the storyline in this season? All certainly good questions. And it's a, it's a sad one in that, uh, you know, it kind of ponders the intersection of the character and the passing of the actor. Um, I'll, I'll assume just with the way these, I don't know this for sure, but I, I, I'll say with confidence that Luke Cage probably started shooting last summer. So probably wrapped up November, December ish. Um, and, and I'll assume that the reference to the father being sick was more a character trap door, like, you know, setting the timer for the character to exit as opposed to, you know, an, an ongoing open-ended role like a Bobby fish type. Um, and, uh, time will tell. Speaking of trap doors, Matt scarfs cases have bounced not just cockroach, but upwards of 30 of Scarf's cases, Matt. That's a lot of bad dudes to be putting back on Harlem's streets. I read that as, uh, first of all, completely believable within the story, uh, given that Scarf was a dirty cop. But also for this season, it gives Misty a purpose. I mean, not for nothing that, you know, three-quarter pension tax-free for life uh, and, a, and a Purple Heart, those are two great incentives to say, you know what, let's make it a career and move on to the next challenge in life. But these 30 people who are out, she has a sense of justice, and she, at least for the short term, you know, until maybe Rand Industries does something, something, arm robot, something, something, um, this will give her enough drive to stay in the story, to stay in the, even more than the periphery, but certainly to stay in the precinct. Yeah, and I think, too, with where the character goes in the comics, that the um, the idea of a, of a pension uh, allowing her to do some other things certainly opened up. Pete, Luke Cage spent part of this episode talking about branding, talking about funding. We want to take an opportunity to thank our patrons on Patreon.com for keeping this endeavor funded keeping us going with some of our podcast costs that we incur we got the storage we got the bandwidth we got the other things and such so thank you patrons who've gone to patreon.com slash fantastic geek absolutely since we've last done luke cage all the way back in september of 2016 matt uh almost two years uh coming up here uh fantastic geek 14 podcast feeds 10 shows that we currently podcast luke cage being just one of them we got cloak and dagger active right now as well before you know it we'll be doing daredevil punisher uh runaways again all filming uh seasons or having just wrapped up so the patrons you guys are vital in helping us to do what we do so thanks again (laughs) 
word on the street where we hear from you, Pete. Let's start with a tweet from our pal Holly Wilson on Twitter. That's uh, at the Holly underscore Wilson. Uh, she said, Lucas, that's with a K, Lucas Cage Wilson is my 21-year-old son's name. Dot, dot, dot. A coincidence? I think not. Hashtag Luke Cage. <laughs> well, we're fond of pointing out uh, every time Jeff Loeb, head of Marvel TV, uh, jokes with us that it's all connected. I don't know, Matt. We've we've got a uh, a watcher, a listener with a child with such a similar name. I don't know. Sounds like a little bit of product placement. <laughs> hey, gotta get your name out there, certainly. Speaking of getting your name out there, Pete, as we podcast Luke Cage this season, how can people be in touch with you so they can share their thoughts about this show? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,014 followers on Twitter. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment at fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram under fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today pete i know that people listening to us in the pop culture podcast feed are going to get a cloak and dagger episode later today at least if you're listening on uh, june 22nd if you're not if you're listening to us in the future hello future i'm sure everything's great now uh <laughs> pete what else will we let, let's bring it back to luke cage first when will we podcast our next luke cage episode episode 202 we will be bringing you episode 202 on Sunday, June 24th. And then what will the Luke Cage podcast release schedule be from there? Going to look to bring you Tuesdays and Thursdays in addition to Sundays. Boom, just like that. We'll get through the season pretty quickly. Already off to a great start. Of course, this is going to be all on the Luke Cage podcast feed. It'll be simulcast to the Pop Culture podcast feed on the PCP. You also get Cloak and Dagger. You get some Marvel movies. You get some Star Trek Discovery stuff. We got some some new news to talk about next week for Star Trek Discovery. But Pete, keeping it on Luke Cage right now, looking ahead to that next episode. So with that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Just because you're a woke superhero don't mean you got to be a broke superhero.